0: Thanks for downloading the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference 2012 podcast. This podcast series features recordings of papers from the conference, which took place in University College Dublin on the 31st of August and 1st of September 2012. The conference was generously supported by UCD School of History and Archives, UCD Research and the Society for Renaissance Studies. For more information, go to tutorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a paper by Dr. Matthew Potter of the University of Limerick. His paper was entitled, James I's 40 Chartered Towns of 1613. Now one of the most extraordinary events in the history of municipal governments in Britain and Ireland was the creation of 40 municipal boroughs by James I in 1612-13, the largest number of boroughs ever created in a single year in the entire history of both islands. This was done in preparation for the meeting of the Irish Parliament of 1613. Uh, the first parliament with members from the entire country in, in Ireland's history. At a stroke, the number of Irish boroughs doubled, Uh, and just in passing, the number of Irish boroughs whose foundation predates 1603 seems to have been around 48, but only 37 of these were represented in the parliaments of Elizabeth I. And also, of course, as a result of the creation of the 40 boroughs of 1613, the constitution of the Irish parliament was transformed. Now this episode has attracted relatively limited attention. Uh, and the principal account remains the treatment of it by T. W. Moody in his 1939 paper, The Irish Parliaments, uh, under um, Elizabeth James I, the General Survey, which was subsequently published in the Proceedings of the Royal Irish Academy. Now, in this paper here, uh, I aim to first of all uh, examine the background to the creation of the 40 boroughs. Secondly, I'm going to briefly look at their geographic distribution and constitutional arrangements. And lastly, um, echoing the first speaker, I'm going to... Uh, Examine their subsequent constitutional and demographic development because I think sometimes people think that these boroughs were uh, really just complete sham They were just simply created to uh, pack the Irish Parliament, the biggest gerrymander in Irish history, I think somebody called it. So anyway, uh, just a bit of quick quick background. Uh, Since the Norman invasion, a chain of self-governing municipal boroughs had been established in Ireland, chiefly in the more heavily settled provinces of (laughs) Munster and Leinster. A municipal borough or borough corporation was a self-governing town, and the granting of this privilege was known as incorporation, which involved receiving a charter or written constitution, uh, which was generally supplemented by later charters and the evolution of written customs and conventions. Although some municipal boroughs had charters implying the involvement of all the inhabitants in the town's politics, uh, in reality, uh, freemen alone uh, constituted the civic electorate, and these were a property minority, also known as burgesses. The three men met weekly in a combined town council law court called the Hundred Court, later known as the, as the Court Courtier Hundred, to trans- transact legal and administrative business. And At a special annual meeting, they elected a chief officer who was called the mayor, the provost, portreeve, or sovereign, or whatever. Later, smaller and more exclusive common councils evolved. These were more equivalent to the modern city or our town council. These eventually displaced the Hundred Courts and gradually became the most powerful representative bodies in, in the towns. Now, regardless of the details of the individual charters, what tended to happen in practice was that the mayor and the council tended to be chosen in virtually all the boroughs from amongst a small clique of the wealthiest families, closely related by birth and marriage, with little input from the freemen, let alone the general populace. Now, importantly, of course, and crucially, municipal boroughs were also parliamentary constituencies, generally returning two members each. And of course, municipal boroughs also got grants of lands. Uh, along with their charters, These lands, of course, formed the basis for their financial um, autonomy. <coughs> now, of course, um, as I'm sure Ewan will be referring to in the next paper, um, as a result of the collapse of the Lordship of Ireland in the 14th and 15th centuries, uh, the boroughs tended to evolve into independent city-states, uh, not unlike the situation in contemporary Italy or Germany. But the Tudors, of course, didn't like this at all, and they attempted to put a stop to it um, during the, their, their plantation um, policy and their conquest of Ireland. And in 1592, a government appointed commission of inquiry investigating the progress of the plantation monster, deplored the excessive autonomy of the Irish towns, complaining that trade was being carried on with both Irish enemies and with the Spaniards, Catholic priests were being supported and maintained, the Church of Ireland was being disregarded, and customs and other revenues were retained by the Borough corporations instead of being remitted to the Crown. And they identified the most fundamental problem as being, quote, their franchises are very large and their liberties, for the most part, greater than are most cities in England, unquote. And this report of 1592 was to provide a blueprint for the subsequent policies of King James I. <clears throat> now, James I, of course, as we all know, was a successful created King of Scotland since the age of one and a believer in the divine right of kings. So his urban policy in Ireland was a two-pronged one. First of all, he wanted to reduce the autonomy of the existing urban um, network and secondly he wanted to extend it by the foundation of new towns and development of some of the existing ones. And uh, so that, for example, he, uh, James and his um, ministers, they reduced the financial autonomy of the towns uh, and they also enforced a certain degree of conformity with the established church. They also of course pursued vigorously a policy of plantation, particularly in Ulster, in Ulster and Munster, which of course, um, as the previous speaker has referred to, um, inevitably um, included um, uh, the foundation of new towns. Now the plantation of Ulster initially uh, envisaged the establishment of 25 new corporate towns. This was later reduced to uh, 16. And of course in Munster you had uh, a major figure of Richard Boyle who established uh, the town was abandoned in and the smaller Lytron plantation resulted in the foundation of Carrick on Shannon and Jamestown. But of course, the immediate cause of the creation of these 40 boroughs was the uh, um, the Irish Parliament of 1613. And because time is against us here now, I think I'll omit some of this stuff I have here. Um, Basically, the Irish Parliament under Elizabeth did not represent the entire country, it only represented uh, Munster and Leinster for the most part. Um, the only boroughs that were called to um, the two the, 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 the parliaments of Elizabeth were uh, uh, outside of Leinster and Munster, was two in Connacht, Galway, and Athenry, and two in Ulster, Carrick, Ferris, and Downpatrick. So the extension of English rule to all Ireland resulted in the creation of new counties while the plantations necessitated the establishment of new borough corporations. And of course the number of functioning counties increased from around 27 at the time of Elizabeth's last parliament to 33. This included a county called Cross Tiberary which basically was the, the church lands of, of, of County Tiberi. Now there was also four boroughs created under James I, <coughs> namely London Derry or Derry 1604, Athlone and Dingle 1607 and Cavan 1611. Um, as T.W. Moody wrote in 1939, quote, it was reasonable enough to increase the number of corporate boroughs, especially in Connacht K- and which were now within the normal operation of the central government, unquote. However, it was not administrative tidiness, but politi- political expediency that determined the creation of the 40 boroughs. And as R.J. Hunter observed in 1971 article, Thomas Null's Plantation, quote, Urban planning in the plantation merged with the more politically inspired space of borough making throughout the island, which was a tactic of parliamentary management. So, basically the problem was that if the Irish Parliament was to be called uh, and brought together, uh, it would have to have a Protestant majority, because its main business was going to be an attack on the Catholic Church and the confirmation of the Ulster Plantation, or so it was thought. So to this end, Sir George Carew, the former president of Munster, was sent to Ireland to investigate the main problems facing the government in Ireland. In other words, what issues should be dealt with by the parliament. But his solution to the problem of the parliamentary majority was a very simple but effective one. New boroughs under firm Protestant control should be created to create a Protestant majority. And he recommended the creation of eight new boroughs in Munster, four in Leinster, four in Connacht and 22 in Ulster. Now, James uh, delegated the task of determining the composition of Parliament to his Lord Lieutenant Sir Arthur Chichester. And in the same year, in 1611, he drew up a list of 34 new boroughs which he was going to create. Um, uh, Now, he also wanted to um, enfranchise the University of Dublin, Trinity College, as well. And he described with disarming candour that the purpose of this was that. Quote, they may expect Protestant burgesses, unquote. So in other words, he wasn't beating about the bush. The question, the reason these boroughs were being created to was to return Protestant MPs. Now, Chichester's list uh, recommended, uh, it was the same as that of Carew, except that he wanted um, 20 boroughs in Ulster instead of 22. In the same document, uh, Chichester calculated that without these new creations, Catholics would have numbered Protestants by 85 to 61 in the entire Commons, And even more depressing, 52 to 28 in the boroughs. On the other hand, the new creations would result in Protestants outnumbering Catholics by 123 to 95. And this was reinforced by a document produced by Richard Morrison, the Vice President of Munster, which indicated that the 11 existing boroughs in that province would return a maximum of only four Protestants out of a total of 22 MPs. And all of this activity alarmed the Catholic um, Old English. And in November 1611, six Catholic lords, uh, Gordonstown Slane, Killeen, Trimblestown, Dungar, and Loud sent an angry letter of protest to the King, deploring, <coughs> quote, the project of erecting so many corporations in places that can scantily pass the rank of the poorest villages in the poorest country in Christendom, unquote, and urged him, quote, not to erect, to erect towns and corporations in places consisting of some few poor and beggarly cottages, unquote. Unfortunately for them, no notice was taken. And in the end, the 40 boroughs were created between December 1612 and May 1613, including Roscommon, which was a re foundation um, of a, a medieval town. Now, two of the boroughs were created in the last two months of 1612, and 38 of them in 1613. And this can be broken down to eight in February, 22 in March, five in April, and three in May. Uh, there was some ambiguity regarding the status of two of the 40 towns due to conflicts of evidence between the calendar state papers. And calendar Crew manuscripts on the one hand, and the 1835 report of the commissioners appointed to inquire into the municipal corporations of Ireland. Uh, and the conflict centres around whether Carlo or Athay was one of the forty. And Trinity College was also erected into a parliamentary constituency in 1613, and Clover, which had a, bur- a charter of unknown vintage going back to the Middle Ages, was also included. And with the addition of the four boroughs created by James since the session, the number of boroughs was increased from 37 to 83. Now, the breakdown of the so-called 40 boroughs were, um, was um, uh, 45% of them were in Ulster, 22% in Munster, 18% in Leinster, and 15% in Connacht. So it would not be accurate to say that it was overwhelmingly the ulster plantation <coughs> that was the... Um, Uh, Determinant of what boroughs were chosen. Now the best represented counties were Down and Cork, which got four boroughs each. Dernigal and Throelm, which got three each, and Armagh, Derry, Waterford, Wexford, and La with two each. And some 15 of these 40 were not part of the former plantations, including five in Antrim and Down, because of course Antrim and Down were not part of the official plantation of Ulster. Of course, famously, many of these boroughs were villages or sites of plantation towns that had not yet been built. And subsequently, eight of them were actually uh, uh, thrown out of the Parliament because they hadn't been um, incorporated until after the Parliament was called together. So the, the 1613 House of Commons then had a, a total of 232 members, with a Protestant majority 132 to 100. The 40 new boroughs all returned Protestants as the derry athlone and Captain, while the 37 older ones returned 57 Protestants and 17 Catholics. Uh, in, so in other words, you could say that James uh, and Carew in Chichester, they planned their campaign very well. In 1614, Sir John Davies, the Speaker of the Irish House of Commons and Attorney General for Ireland, wrote to the Earl of Somerset, who was um, one of James's so-called um, favourites, that quote, the newly created boroughs will be perpetual seminaries of Protestant burgesses since it is provided in the charters that the provost and twelve chief burgesses were to elect all the rest must always be such as will take the oath of supremacy. Unquote. The old English lost control of the Irish Parliament for the first time and the status of the existing parliamentary boroughs was diluted and reduced as a result of the establishment of so many new ones. James subsequently created four more boroughs, St Johnson, uh, Gory, uh, Jamestown, and one more that I haven't listed here, bringing the total to 48. More urban authorities, more urban um, councils were created in Ireland during the, James, the reign of James I and under any other British ruler except the much longer reign, Queen Victoria, and of course, the um, town councils that were created under during her reign were not, of course, parliamentary boroughs. Now, um, how much are we for time? Um, you have five minutes. Five minutes, whatever. I looked very quickly. Then. I suppose um, the constitutional arrangements of these 40 uh, <laughs> boroughs are worthy of, um, of examination because they differ considerably from the old boroughs of the pre 1603 um, uh, situation. Each of the new charters placed the government of the borough in the hands of a council, usually with a total membership of 12 or 13, consisting of a chief officer, the sovereign, Portree, provost, or warden, and a number of councillors or free burgesses. In each case, the charter nominated the first chief officer in Burgess by name, and burgesses by name. and stipulated that they all had to conform the established church by taking the oath of supremacy, thus guaranteeing a built-in Protestant monopoly. Now, the role of the free men, which, of course, was in reality not very uh, significant in the old boroughs, but uh, in theory it was quite significant. In, in the new charters, it was actually explicitly reduced in the following manner. First of all, the chief officer, mayor, or whatever he was called, and the senior officials were all elected by the council instead of by the freemen. Secondly, vacancies at the council were filled by co option. Thirdly, MPs were also elected by the council instead of by the freemen. And lastly, admissions to the freedom were given exclusively to the council. And what this meant, of course, was that um, the free men had virtually no role in any of these new boroughs, and in many instances there were no free men at all. Another curb on the autonomy of these new boroughs uh, was uh, at least the Ulster ones, was the policy of granting the lands of the new boroughs to a superintending, la- a superintending landowner or patron rather than to the borough corporation as a body, with the provider that the patron had responsibility for the development of the town. And, of course, this had a dual effect of impoverishing the new boroughs and making them dependent on their respective patrons. Now, very briefly, I will then in- examine their subsequent <laughs> status and, more or less, I will examine, you know, where these 40 boroughs a complete sham or what, what happened to them after. Did they develop into anything um, worth talking about? Well, I suppose I'll compare them quickly to the, other, uh, to the general of boroughs um, uh, in Ireland before the 1840s. There were 117 boroughs in Ireland from 1685 to 1800, all of which became extinct or abolished between 1800 and 1841. Of these 117, 54% became municipal again on the reform legislation of 1828-54. In other words, of the 117 boroughs, over half subsequently established some other form of borough corporation or town council or town commissioners or whatever. But 46% never did. So you could argue that 46% then were, were presumably... It could be argued that they should never have been um, boroughs in the first place. But of the 40 boroughs of 1613, 67% became municipal again. So they were considerably, um, it could be argued, more viable. 54% of the general run of boroughs never became municipal again, but 67% of the 40 of 1613 did. Likewise, according to the 1835 report to Irish boroughs, there were um, 15% of the total of 117 were regarded as having no meaningful existence except as parliamentary constituencies, but only um, 12.5% of the 40 of 1613 were so described. I suppose I'll really conclude now by saying what is the current status of the 40 boroughs? Uh, 27 of them are in the Republic and uh, 13 are in Northern Ireland. 16 of the 27 in the Republic have municipal authorities at the moment, while 11 are non-municipal. In Northern Ireland, 6 of them give their name to district council, while 7 are non-municipal. Now, I, I know this is all a bit of gobbledygook, but I hope to um, you know, publish this in, in a much more readable form eventually. Um, according to the most recent, recent census returns, both north and south of the border, 34 of the 40 towns have a population of over 1,000, which by Irish standards means that they're fairly significant um, uh, 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 urban areas. 28% have more than 2,500. They're positively um, almost conurbations, you could say. And 17 have over 10,000. One of them, Belfast, has a population of over 100,000, well over 100,000, of course. One of them, Bangor, has between 50 and 100,000, I think 58,000, according to the most recent uh, census. Five of them have between 20 and 30,000. And there's a litany of other figures here about that. So I suppose, to conclude, I think we may um, say that despite the inglorious sectarian religio-political motives, which largely determined the creation of the 40 boroughs of 1613, their subsequent development was very much in line with that of the generality of Irish tongues, and in some respects was even better. Thank you. (laughs)